This morning I will be reading from Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 20, and that can be found on page 1,822. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. <clears throat> Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be touching on uh, various uh, aspects of the reading, uh, just uh, a few verses, verse 3 and 4, which speak about, uh, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity. And so that sense of being a, a safe church, a safe place. Dear children of God, we come as a church together this morning. And as, as a church, first of all, you, you have kind of a picture in mind of, of what a church should be, kind of a, a vision. And within a, a vision of what a church is, you would likely include, well, of course, it would be a safe place. A church is a safe place. We are a church. When people come here, when we come here, we would assume, we would expect that we would feel safe, be safe here. 
that reality is very much part of the vision of being a church. When children and youth are here, they should always feel perfectly safe and be safe. This is a church. That's what's expected. That, that sense of being a safe church is, is more than just practical. It's, it's theological. It's our God who keeps us safe in his care. And as we gather in his presence too, we are called into the arms of Jesus. Safe in the arms of Jesus is a song, uh, a sense of a refuge in the house of God with the people of God. We are a safe place in a dangerous world. That, that sense of what is the church is, is an initial thought that, that we want to recognize. Absolutely. That's our calling as a church. We want to be a witness in an unsafe world. Now the reality that, that in the world around us there are many unsafe situations. We, we recognize sin at work in the world at large. We recognize the realities too in the news when you see different things going on in communities, uh, things of violence, things of family uh, troubles, people being hurt, things being said and done that are headlines in the news daily. That, that reality of churches is to be different. It's to be a safe place. And in our own lives, too, as we go about just the activities of the day, we, we have it in mind, too. You have to be careful in certain areas. We have to watch out, perhaps, for people that, that we wonder, do we trust them in business or, or in dealing or with our kids or, or with our property? There is a, an uncertainty there. Is it really safe unless we, we really get to know them? There is a reality of people uh, trying to get ahead at the expense of others. There is realities even in the online world. You have to be careful. You have to be safe. It's always there. This is not a safe world. So in a world that is, is overall unsafe, the church should be the safest place in the world. That's, that's kind of the vision, the biblical vision too. God calls his people together. God watches over them, cares for them. In a world of sin, in, in all of that uncertainty, we have a safe center, a safe place with our God in the arms of Jesus. And so even our church name, Bethel, the house of God, this is the house of God. This is a safe place for people to come. Now the sad truth is that the church and the term church and the vision of church and what it means to be church has changed. And instead of the church being now at the top of the list of safe places, it's been moving up the list of unsafe places. And instead of saying, well, the, the world in general is unsafe and the church is safe, it's, it's changed. 
And we need to recognize that and realize that in the minds of many people, the church just initially thinking about what they know about it and it's limited, people who aren't part of churches, people who wonder that it's not immediately a safe place. We are ministering as a church today in the context of suspicion. There are general attitudes, not like it was in the past that the church is a safe place. The general thought now is that the church, even our own church, is suspect. And its leaders, myself, other leaders, there's uncertainty. Who are these people? What are they doing? That's, that's all arisen out of the realities that, that we have seen, even here in the spring with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and the history of things in the past in the Roman Catholic Church. And then you recognize that the Pope continues to address concerns in the Roman Catholic Church now that are ongoing. So the, the perception, and whenever it comes up, it's headlines in the news and the perception goes out. Churches are not safe. The reality is also in the Protestant church. Sometimes we feel, well, we're so much better. The Protestant church is so much better. But looking through, too, just uh, there's some statistics for, for things in the Protestant church. In the month of May, month of May, there were 25 Protestant church leaders arrested or charged with misconduct. That was in the month of May in the United States. <coughs> so there are these things and advertised, highlighted in the news. One of the 25 was a pastor of the Christian Reformed Church in the United States. So, so that perception is out there and it continues to come to the fore, that there is a sense of the church is not safe. Those with little or no church connection are definitely suspicious. It's sad, but it's more and more the perception. If you add to that the reality that, that generally in our culture we are, we are quite... Uh, uncertain of people we don't know. So when, when someone would consider visiting our church, joining our church, do they trust us? Do we trust them to leave your children with them, your youth? Who are they? There is that reality of uncertainty as we would want to invite people to join our church to recognize they would hesitate. They would wonder. There is a need to address the sense of safety along with the sense of church. And to have those clearly together, we are a safe church. And so in the Christian Reformed Church, we actually have every year a safe church Sunday. And this is it. Safe Church Sunday. 
So all the 1,000 plus churches across the denomination are, are reflecting on the reality, the need to be a safe presence, a safe church. And that, that sense of going forward in that, that understanding effort to be clearly working and safely practicing our work, our ministry. And so you also see in your mailbox this morning, uh, you see the note in the bulletin that there's various procedures that we are moving forward with in terms of being safe, registering kids, watching out for how they are cared for. And that whole emphasis is what is being looked at as our church's ministry. What does the Bible say about all of that? We read from Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, out of the letter of Ephesians, the first three chapters, chapters 1, 2, and 3, talk about the central vision of the church. Talk about we are here to declare the saving power of Jesus. We are here to invite people to come out of a reality of sin into that safe, wonderful, saving work of Jesus, that transforming life from, from hopelessness to hope, from uncertainty and fear. What about my life? What about my future? What about my eternal future? Into the safety of God's gracious provision in Jesus. And so Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 talk about that salvation in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 13, salvation in Christ. Ephesians 2 talked about how, how do we receive that? By grace. So we, we offer that graciously. That's our ministry, our calling through all the work we do. People coming out of sin by grace to faith in Jesus Christ, the free gift of God. And it continues to be our prayer that everyone here comes to that saving knowledge. That's our vision, our purpose, absolutely. That saving work of God to transform us by the Holy Spirit continues to get worked out. That message get worked out in Ephesians chapters 4, 5, and 6 in more specific ways. And the understanding there is that that lives itself out in us as we try to bring that good news. And it also provides just, just the context, how we would present that good news. So it's, it's for example, Ephesians 5, verse 3, with, with that, that great good news message of salvation, he says very specifically, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality of any kind of impurity because these are improper for God's holy people. Why not? Because it undercuts the central message. If the church is not safe and people don't feel that they can engage the true message that we have to share. And in Ephesus, it was very unsafe. It was a port town. It was, it was a, a quite transient, a lot of travelers, a lot of sailors. It, it, it was known for its sexual immorality, the uncertainty of people. You couldn't trust people there. And then from there, they had the largest temple 
to, to Diana, a particular goddess, and the worship of this goddess included a lot of sexual and, and, and impure things. And so when he mentions there should be no hint of sexual misconduct or impurity, he's thinking about that. If the church takes on those kind of things, if those things are present there, then, then the whole message of the gospel is undercut. And so he highlights those realities that the church there was trying to bring a clear faith witness that would not be undermined by these attitudes towards the sins of sexual immorality and impurity. We, we live in a very highly sexualized culture as well. That sense of purity, impurity, morality, immorality, it gets pushed all the time. And the level of immorality uh, is present and that reality needs to be seen that it, it can and does at times impact the church, influence the church, and the church has to stand against it even as a church just to maintain, maintain that standard of how we treat each other, how we work with each other, no hint of sexual immorality or impurity. Everything is pure, everything is, is, is in the light, beautifully expressed here too when it says too that let the light shine in so we put the windows in the doors so that there is there is ability to see in that that nothing is done in secret in the darkness that this is a safe place in any room you go in anything that's done anybody can look in anybody can come in everything is always above board that's the context where the church can minister safely and truly the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have a safe church policy. It's called Winning Kids, the plan to protect, so that everyone feels safe and is safe in our church. It's a very necessary part. It's just a part. It's not the gospel, but it's a very necessary part of a church proclaiming the gospel in an unsafe, suspicious world. So we do actually, we are, we are working through and moving through, uh, implementing some of the steps, and, and we sometimes too feel it's, it's maybe excessive or we feel too, it, it inconveniences us. It's more work. And, and for Dana Van Geisel, our safe church coordinator, it's a lot of work. But she keeps working lovingly with everyone to get full compliance. And not for her sake or my sake, but for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the gospel. That's why we do this. To ensure that everyone here and all who would join our fellowship would have the sense that they are safe here and in this safe place they can receive the wonderful message of becoming fully safe, truly safe by faith in the arms of Jesus. So even the Winning Kids logo, there's a, there's a plan to protect this logo 
is, is the logo for the program, and it, it will, uh, too, it's, it's recognized already in society in, in, in a wider context as people who work with this program take seriously the need to protect and to work carefully and well with children, with youth, with each other. Ephesians 5 verse 4 adds, uh, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And within the policy too, there, there are statements on, on how you speak to each other, how you, how you work with each other. You don't, you don't start telling off-colored jokes. That's not appropriate to it. Makes people uncomfortable and rightly so. We speak together well carefully, safely, with thanksgiving. So that, that reality is, is really what is being worked out. I want to take a moment to thank uh, you as a church overall for your uh, tremendous cooperation to this point. We've been working with it uh, to a degree over the years. There have been checks and police checks and things. And overall, uh, appreciate too the tremendous support and cooperation that you have given as it's being put in place. At this point, I wonder, you might wonder if it's really having any effect. And uh, at this point, I'd like to invite Angie Alquist to come forward. And she is going to share with us, too, just the reality of, of unsafe circumstances and feeling safe here among us. She, she wrote up... Uh, a piece already a couple weeks ago and she wanted to share it with us and I said too if it would work perfect today because we want you to feel safe and you feel safe here and so if you would share with us too how things went good morning all how are you doing Dear friends, there are two things I want to talk to you about. One is verbal harassment, and one is sexual harassment. Please keep this in mind. And this keep in please keep in mind this type of info is private. Um, especially, it's embarrassing for me to to me, and it is up to me if I want to. Um, spread the news. I, Angie Alquist, have a mental disability. When I was born, I became deaf, and I only weighed in four pounds and five ounces. Creamy, baby. When I started going to school, I started a special needs program up to high school. Yes, I was ever, was I ever pushed around and bullied. I had made a lot of friends, but some were not friendly enough. I got called retard, idiot, four eyes, piece of junk. 
I would come home every day after school crying. My kids out all that stuff. I feel like I did not belong in school. But I did. I finished high school. I graduated two thousand and one. <clears throat> I waited for two years to decide to move out of my parents' house to earn enough money to live on my own. Life was awesome. A lot I got a job at Lidos. My family started growing. I was having a blast until it came to the price. I would have friends come over every day. Months wouldn't go by. And one day I came across uh, a number of a guy friend. <clears throat> I would invite him over for a cup of coffee. I knew I could trust him. Because when I was younger, I could, as a teen, and my parents allowed him to come over when they were around to watch movies with us. <clears throat> well, I guess people do change big time. It's, he started taking advantage of me. He grabbed me and, my, me and tossed me in my bed, and I was able to get away and get my cell phone and went outside, called the police. They came over right away and took him in custody. Man, I felt relieved. Sorry. After three weeks, that's all this happened. I started, I said I was moving out, and I did. But the two things that kept me safe is God and the police. Things were going great for me again after this happened. That's why I don't like being teased or touched by on my shoulders by anyone I don't know. I have to get to know the person for a long, long time. I was very shy up to this point, but now I'm no longer shy. But I'm no, yeah, in, on, in, on August 22nd, the most unthinkable thing happened to me. Again, while I was in Redger helping with raise the money, raise the roof for Special Olympics, I was verbally harassed by two men in front of the huge crowd. They said, they had said mean things, like one said Special Olympics sucks, another one mocked me about my disability. It was, it was not right. I feel like a little person. I have no more patience people like that. I would like you all to stand up with me and say with me, no more bullying. Enough is enough. So it took real courage and we, we talked for a long time, Angie and I, about her doing this and I want to thank her so much. And you just... You just get a sense too that that she she needs to feel safe here, and and we want to do everything we can, and and from her to other friends, and and really all of us. So that that sense too of handling each other well, 
caring for each other, watching what we say, and being just very encouraging and, and a safe place for anyone to come. That, that reality is, in terms of, in terms of our, our speech, she mentions bullying at the end there. It's the official theme of, of Safe Church Sunday this year that we just are very careful in terms of, of how we speak to one another, how we, yeah, malicious nicknames you mentioned, the four eyes and this and that, and, and all of that stuff is out of place. And jokes, making jokes about people, uh, physical bullying, of course, out of place, relational bullying, uh, shunning or ignoring people, gossiping about people, and uh, cyberbullying, all, all these things to be very aware that, that we want to treat each other well, graciously, carefully, thankfully, and to be a safe church, expressing the true safety of the gospel of Jesus Christ in, in our actual expression of safe practices towards and with people. So, so Angie mentioned too, she knew someone, and then this, this man came over, and then, yeah, it was, it was one person... And so, yeah, we, we try, you don't do that so that you never are in a situation where, where anyone feels unsafe or where anything unsafe could happen. All of those realities are there in people's lives and, and we need to go clearly there to work in a way that is safe, safe practices towards and with people. I just want to conclude by comparing it to our uh, Thursday evening circle of friends, we have uh, a safe uh, food policy. And so that, that's fine, right? You, you have a safe food policy. So there's, in, in the kitchen here, when, when people are preparing food, there's, there's no five-second rule. The meatball hits the floor. It doesn't go back in the pot. It's in the garbage. That's... Uh, <laughs> we're safe safe food, right? And, and we, we make sure that, that uh, everything is done safely, carefully. We also have our, our, the dishwasher that everything is washed. It's, it's, it was much more expensive, but for safety's sake. And when we also serve the food, we put on the gloves and we hand it to people and we serve them and people know they are safe. And so much more than food, more important yet is dealing with people, youth, children, and adults. We want to be a safe church. And that, that includes, gets worked out in specific practices, in programs, with youth, with cadets, with GEMS, with Vacation Bible School, to serve people, to ensure that they feel safe. That's our thought, to make sure that Angie feels safe. So you don't touch her on the shoulder, you don't hug her. Within our policy, too, there's, there's less, you don't do that. Because, yeah, you, you recognize, too, that's, that's a confusing signal to many. God wants us to keep truly safe in his loving care and to live in that way. Just to conclude, uh, out of Ephesians 5, uh, verse 15, it adds, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And that includes many aspects of the Christian life, 
but here is, is wisdom. What is wise to do in this area, in this case? To ignore uh, the context, to let everything go in terms of the risk factors and, and, well, we'll just be fine? No. That's unwise. We are striving to be wise for the sake of the gospel. And Ephesians 5.16, make the most of every opportunity. And this particular opportunity came to us at classes last year where all the Christian Reformed churches here in northern Alberta, all 33, signed on together to this program. And there had been an effort to try to get this worked out and coordinated, and it just didn't work. But last fall, it worked. It came together, and there were financial benefits, and there were overall church benefits. And so we are part of having taken this opportunity to join the Winning Kids Plan to Protect program. Things are nicely laid out, very helpful, very workable. And so we give thanks that people can uh, enter in and be assured that this is ongoing here in our church. And if people ask, if people see the logo or if they wonder about it, you can tell them we are part of a safe church program and we are working it out to uh, the best of our ability. As we do that, we continue to point beyond that to coming to a knowledge of our Lord and Savior who keeps us all safe in his loving care. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your grace in our lives, and we thank you for Angie and for your keeping her safe, and that in our fellowship, too, you continue to make this a safe place where she and all of us and those who would also visit and, and think too to join us here would recognize that they are safe here. Lord, we thank you that we continue to declare the hope of your perfect love to all people and that they would also come to you, the Savior, who keeps calling them. Help us be that welcoming, safe community of faith and may we continue to be that witness, that light in this dark world, we pray. In the assurance of your love, for Jesus' sake, amen.